0: I want to direct your attention to the first part of the chapter there, Matthew chapter number 7, in verse number 1, where it says, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite... First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. So this is a pretty familiar passage, and it's one that we'll go to a lot. And it's one that the world absolutely loves. But the world doesn't love the whole passage. The world loves the first two words, judge not. And you look at it, and it's funny when you read the whole thing, and especially, you know, as we read the whole chapter before the service here, and you're just listening to the first just five verses of this. And you really think about what it's saying. It's like, how could somebody ever take this passage and tell you, don't judge, never judge anybody? It's literally a passage explaining how to do it correctly. I mean, it would be like a manual on the car telling me how to turn it on and like turn the key to the ignition. And it tells me not to do it in some certain way. And then it's like, never turn the car on or anything like that. That's how people will look at this passage. And you ask yourself the question, how in the world do people come to this kind of conclusion? And, you know, I think that it's one of two things. Number one, people don't read their Bibles today. It's like so many people own a Bible. The Bible, it's not the King James Version, but, you know, the Bible is still sold. It's the number one best-selling book, but all it is is sold. It's not actually read today. And number two... There's so much just of this specific teaching and a bunch of others that are just repeated so often in the world that people just start to generally accept it as truth. When you just hear something one way so many times, after a while, people just start to believe it. You know, uh, some of the other different wild teachings out there, you think about like um, women being ordained as pastors. And there's literally verses in the Bible that specifically say there's no circumstance where that should ever be a thing. And it's like people look at you like you've got, you know, four eyes or something when you tell them that because they just, you know, have some weird demented view of it. You think about the idea of people getting upset at our church and how many times there are protesters about the idea of, you know, bringing the sodomites into the church. And it's like, why can't we bring the sodomites into the church? All sin is equal, you know. And, you know, where they get that from is in James 2.10 where it says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. You know, you know breaking any of God's commandments is sin, and it makes you a lawbreaker in the sense that you'll be able to go to hell for any sin. But God doesn't judge all sin the same. You know, God doesn't you know, look at, you know, I don't know, telling a lie is the same as sodomy and murder and all kinds of other things. There's some things in the Bible that are abominations. There's some things in the Bible that have caused fire and brimstone to be rained down from heaven and destroy cities to never be inhabited again you know and then there's other sins that God does take seriously but they're not judged on the same level but the thing is is that people just hear these things so often in society and things become so normalized in society that we're all just supposed to generally accept them as Christians and ignore whatever the Bible says and you know when you think about that for a second our society's come so far that you know even seeing a person like this in public is a normal thing this would bringing a sodomite into church an open sodomite living in sodomy would literally be the same exact thing as if we brought a serial killer that is still killing people into the church. The exact same thing. The Bible puts those things on the exact same level. Our country used to put those things on the exact same level. But we're allowing this stuff, and you know people will repeat these things. And notice the thing is, is that people don't just spout these random things off and say them like fact, they use the Bible to back their ideas up. You know, when they don't want to be judged, they want to live whatever way they want to against the Bible, contrary to what the Bible teaches, they'll take you to Matthew chapter 7. You know, my wife um, used to have a coworker when she worked somewhere that, you know, she was a homo, and she literally had Matthew 7-1 tattooed on her forearm as a homo. It's like, you can't judge me for being a homo. But so they'll take the Bible and use it to explain whatever they think is right or any one of these things. And so now here's the biggest question. How in the world are people using the Bible to teach literally whatever they want? How is it, and not just people taking the Bible, because you can find anybody out there that will take any random verse in the Bible and teach something weird, but how are these becoming generally acceptable truths in our society? That generally we're probably on the minority With what Matthew 7 1 says, compared to the rest of the country and what they think. We're on the minority when it comes to sodomites or pretty much any issue out there. We're on the minority of it in terms of the country as a whole. Now, how does that happen? Now, I think that what one of the biggest things is, is just a lack of coming to church. And that people, you know, they have all the worldly influences in their life, but then they don't come to church to hear any kind of preaching on it whatsoever. And, you know, what you'll call these people, and what I've called them before, I don't know if you've ever heard it before, Is the Christmas and Easter Christians. And you know, basically, two out of three hundred and sixty-five days of the year, they're Christians. And they'll be in church. You can count on them on Christmas and Easter. And we all love having big services on Christmas and Easter, right? You know, it's enjoyable. I'm thankful for the voices that they have to sing and you know, lift up you know the voices a little bit higher on Easter. It's nice. But it's also frustrating, you know, because we need faithful Christians today, 365 out of 365 days in the year, not two. You know, yes, it's nice to have them in church on Easter. Yes, it's nice to have them in church on Christmas. But we need more, you know, church. We need more people in church and attending church. But tonight, I don't want to just talk about Christmas and Easter Christians. I want to talk about a group of people that I'll call the Sunday and Wednesday Christians. You say, Sunday and Wednesday Christians? Well, here's the thing. When we talk about Christmas and Easter Christians, we talk about them as in people that are basically only Christians, only faithful two days of the year. You know, well, the group of people I want to talk about tonight are people that are only Christians, only living a godly life two days out of the week on Sunday and Wednesday. And it's like you can come to church faithfully. You can never miss a service. But then it's like. Can I count on you to serve the Lord on Monday, on Tuesday, on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday when there's no scheduled church activity or anything like that? And the truth is there's a lot of people out there that don't. That whenever something's going on at church that they might be there, but in their personal life or in their life at home or whatever, that they're not living a, you know, faithful Christian life. Now go to Hebrews chapter number 10. And I want you to think to yourself tonight as you're sitting in here, And ask yourself the question, why did you come to church tonight? What's the purpose of you being here? And if I needed you to give me a verse, you might want to take me to Hebrews chapter number 10 and explain why, you know, you're in church tonight, why you decided to be here. In verse number 25, where it says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, You might say, you know, I made the decision a long time ago. Honestly, most, if not every person in here, if you're here tonight, you probably made the decision years ago, months ago, hey, whether it's a Sunday, whether it's a Wednesday, if the church is having a revival service and it's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we're going to be in church if the doors are open. And if that's a decision that you made, that's a great decision. And that's something that you should have done. But think about it, when you develop a habit of something sometimes you just kind of start habitually doing it and you can go through the motions and not really think about anything of it. And it's not something that's really internalized. It's just something that you do. You know, you, you could put, honestly, some people, they just get so used to coming to church, so used to doing these things that you can put it as the same going through the motions as if you were like doing the dishes or doing the laundry or taking out the trash. It's just another thing on your to-do list. To-do list, go to church on Sunday morning, go to church on Sunday night, go to church on Wednesday night, And it's good to develop good habits, but in the process of developing a habit, make sure that you don't lose the purpose of what that habit is for. And I want to give you an example. You know, it's a good habit to practice good hygiene. You know, we should shower, we should brush our teeth, we should do all those things. Now, say, for example, that somebody has, you know, a habit that they have to develop that they take a shower every single day. That's a good habit. It's much needed in this country because there's plenty of people that don't, you know. But so even if you don't work a physical job, even if you don't get really sweaty or nasty or anything like that, you still just go home, you take a shower at night, you're good to go for the next day. Now, that is a habit. That's something that you developed. It's a good thing to do. Now, think about it, though. Could you get away with not taking a shower. If you don't get sweaty or you don't do anything. Could you get away and then go out in public and not stink or anything like that if you just missed one shower? Sure. I think you could. You know, but say you missed 30 days. You go 30 days without showering, a full month. You know, you're going to walk out in public and people are going to want to step back from you because you're probably going to stink. And it's going to become very very apparent that you need a shower, you know, and that you stink. You need to get home And you are going to prioritize it far above everything else. You know, if people are like running away from you because you stink, people are coming up to you and asking you like why your clothes are so dirty, why do you smell so bad, your hair is so greasy, any one of these things, and you know, you're going to make it a higher priority that you need to go home and get a shower because it's actually affecting you and it's making a problem. Well, you know, coming to church, I'm going to kind of compare that to that. You know, you could hypothetically probably miss a church service or two. It'd not really be that big of a deal. But say that you just missed like an entire year of church. You didn't go to church at all. And you could you look around at your life. I mean, any one of us. I don't care if you're the most spiritual person in the room. If you didn't come to church and you didn't have any Christian fellowship and you just spent a year out in the world, your life would be a mess. And I mean, who knows what kind of sin that you would get into. Who knows what kind of things would be in your house. So these things are very important. So, yeah, you develop the habit of going to church because there could be days that we could say, well, you know, I don't really feel like going to church and it's not going to be that big of a deal if I miss it. But that's why it's a good, deal, good idea to develop the habit that, hey, no matter what, I'm going to be in church somewhere on Sunday and Wednesday nights because it's important to go. And though I could get away with it, you know, it's still good just to keep an uptake. You take a shower every day so that you don't stink the next day. It's a preventative thing. You know, it can get to the point where if you miss so many days without a shower, that all of a sudden it becomes an issue of, hey, you need to get cleaned up. You know, and you go to church Sunday through Wednesday, and you do that on repeat as a preventative thing. Hey, you want to prevent the world from influencing your life. You want to prevent the world from influencing your family. But if you just miss service after service after service, it can get to the point where coming to church needs to be an issue of cleaning up. And you need to be in church and fellowship to hear the songs and to do everything like that. And I'm going to get into that later in the sermon. But you understand what I'm saying, that we need church, whether it be for a preventative thing or for a clean-up thing. You know, if you stuck out of church for a long time, this isn't a you know bash on you. Get back in church and get cleaned up. You know, these are things that we need. But one of the things, though, that I think people can kind of miss is when we get into habits and we get into doing things just out of a routine. And church, honestly, for every person in this room, is on some kind of mental to-do list in our head that I have to go to church at this time just because you do it. The problem is, though, when you do it that way, and I'm not discouraging anybody, that. that's what I do, but you can miss the purpose of it. And what I want to talk about for the rest of the sermon is the purpose of church. You know, why do you come to church on Sunday? Why do you come to church on Wednesday? What do you have? You know, you could be sitting at home right now. You could be watching something on TV. You could be relaxing, catching up on sleep, whatever. But ask yourself the question throughout the sermon, why do you come to church? What is the purpose of you coming to church? And I want you to look here in Hebrews chapter number 10 where we're at. Look a few verses back in verse number 23. It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, For he is faithful that promised, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, one of the main things that we come to church for is, you know, for the Christian fellowship, but specifically that we're exhorting one another in love and in good works. Now, this is something that you cannot get online just by listening to the sermons and listening to the live stream service. You can't. Hold your place in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to come back. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Because something that you can get with online church and something that you can hear just by the live stream and listening to the service is you can get all of the knowledge and all of the doctrine. And you can hear the songs most people, if you're sitting at home and you're watching a live stream, are not singing along with the service. You know, if I'm sick and I'm staying at home, I'm just going to be honest. I feel awkward sitting in a room by myself and just singing along with the live stream. I don't do it, and I don't think most people do. You know, but you miss a lot of things not being present physically in the congregation, and one of those is love and learning to love. Uh, look in First Corinthians chapter number thirteen and verse number one. It says, "Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity," I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing." Now, right here, you have a list of good works. And you know what? Is if someone was listening on the live stream and I was going to preach a sermon about you know, uh, learning different languages to be able to reach people for Christ or uh, about prophecy or about understanding all the mysteries in the Bible or just sitting in your basement and learning everything that the Bible has to teach you. Or if I were to preach a sermon about you know, going to feed the poor or literally dying for something, Which both of those things, going to feed the poor, giving everything away, those sound like loving actions. But you see what it's saying here is that it's possible to be doing those things and not actually have charity with your actions. And, you know, one thing that I've learned over time is that you literally can't teach somebody how to love someone else. You can't teach people charity. You learn that naturally being around people. You know, when I met my wife and I fell in love with my life, There wasn't like an instruction booklet on how to fall in love with my wife. We just spent time together and fell in love, you know. And, you know, people in this church, you know, a lot of us were here. You know, we first moved out here, I think, like three, four years ago. I don't know. But we were here. We, you know, my family, I love all of you more than when I first came here. Why? Not because I learned it. Not because I found some new revelation or Bible reading. Because the more time that we all spend together, the more that we mean to one another. And the more that we care for one another. You do not get that on a live stream. You don't get that by listening to a sermon. That's something that you naturally learn. You know, we care about one another in this church. And the reason for that is because we spend time together. And that's just naturally what happens in any one of these things. Now go back to Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse 24. This is literally what the Bible says In verse 24, it says, "...and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and unto good works." We do these things, we come together, we're with each other to provoke each other to do these things. We ought to have love as Christians. But you are not going to learn love as a Christian if you're sitting at home. That's why you should come to church. Not just because, well, I decided a long time ago I'm coming to church. No, you come to church because you, you provoke everybody else to love. You need to be provoked to love and you need to be provoked unto good works. Go to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter number 2 you know, one of the other things that we do at church, which this one you probably could get away with by doing at home, is learning doctrine. You know, we come to church to hear the Bible preached, to hear the Bible opened. And in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, in verse number 1, it says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So this is one of the uh, letters to Timothy. Timothy was somebody that was going to be a pastor, and Paul's exhorting him, and he's telling him specific things to do. And you notice one of the jobs of a pastor is that they're supposed to study, they're supposed to learn and understand these things, and then not just know it and be filled up with knowledge, but that you give that to other people, that you preach that to a congregation and you teach them That they're able to teach others also. One of the biggest things in Christianity is just passing knowledge back and forth, understanding the Bible. One of the things that we sit here and do on Sunday afternoons is, you know, a lot of times get into just a doctrinal discussion on something. And literally, we, I mean, especially we start talking about prophecy or something, it can be like we finish lunch and then in a blink of an eye, it's like five o'clock in time for service, you know, because we just get so into these discussions. But that's a good thing. You know, it's good to sit and talk about the Bible and think about those things. It's better than spending time thinking about the world and things in the world. And that's a luxury and a benefit that you get coming to church is sitting back and talking about the Bible and caring about the Bible and what it says, putting that as a reverence. But one of the things that I want to point out here that is a massive problems in church in that people have a really wrong idea of coming to church. There's a lot of people that have an idea that basically they want to go from church to church to church. And basically they just want to find a pastor that's just going to recite back to them everything that they already believe. You know, one of the jobs of a pastor is to teach you. If you have it in your head that you already know everything and you already have everything figured out, then the guy preaching to you is just wasting his time with you. You know, now I don't think that, you know, we need to be held accountable for like going to a church and hearing out something like work salvation or something like that. I'm talking about, you know, you're reading through the Bible and we're going through, I don't know, Ezekiel or something. And you hear something that's a little bit different than what you believe about Ezekiel chapter number 27 or something. And then you'll get all up in arms. And, you know, I see this all the time people get all up in arms over issues that they didn't even have a strong opinion on until it was brought up and preached on. And, you know, it's like you can agree with a pastor 99% of all different doctrines, but then there's that 1% that's a really minute issue, but it's such a big deal to you that you're going to make a big deal about it and split the church, go on Facebook, my pastor's a false prophet, I didn't know it until he preached from Ezekiel chapter number 27, and whatever he said, it's ridiculous. You know, and something that, you know, A pastor is responsible for, and that our pastor is responsible for, is throughout the week studying the Bible, praying, talking to the Lord, learning what it says, reflecting, uh, going over again what it says, and then he'll prepare a sermon for us to listen to. It's our job to give him the respect that we're going to listen to what he has to say, and even if you might hear something that you disagree on, the response shouldn't just be that, well, I disagree with that, you know, you're wrong, blah, 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 whatever. No, why don't you go, like the Bereans, and just search the scriptures on that matter, and see whether those things be so. But the problem is that there's just a lot of lazy people out there that would rather criticize and rather come up with complaints and do whatever. Because it's so easy to criticize somebody. It's so easy to sit back and just pick out a bunch of flaws, come up with a bunch of problems, But, you know, it's difficult work and it's laborious work to actually dig into the Bible, sit there with your Bible open, and study a doctrine. You know, it's one thing in just your normal Bible reading to just read however many chapters you're going to a day. It's another thing to sit down for an extended period of time with nothing but the Bible and study a doctrine. It's laborious work. But, you know, it's way easier to do that, criticize, complain, throw stones, do whatever... But, you know, no one wants to sit back and actually learn, hear people out. And I feel bad. I don't think, you know, Pastor Murchy has this problem at all with us here. But I feel bad for all the pastors out there that basically have congregations that have their minds made up on whatever issue. And then a pastor humbly throughout the week is studying, he's praying, he's asking the Lord to help him. And then he comes to preach a sermon and is just preaching to a congregation. Just, I disagree. You know, and after church, it's just people running up to the pastor. I disagree. I'm leaving the church over whatever issue. We ought to give respect to our pastor. People in different churches ought to respect their pastor. And even if you hear something different, then you have to then have the responsibility of searching out the scripture and seeing whether those things be so. And if you think, even after study, even after any of these things, that he's still wrong then just keep it to yourself and move on. It's probably not as big of a deal as you're thinking it is and making it out to be. You know, some of the different doctrinal speeches that I saw over the past like year, you know, it was literally issues that like nobody had ever even heard of before and then all of a sudden somebody takes a position On a random doctrinal issue, and then it's like people are literally willing to leave their churches over an issue that they'd never even thought about until they heard that issue. That's insane. And that's ridiculous. You know, in this area, there just needs to be mutual respect between us that are listening and the pastor that is preaching. You know, we need to respect him as a teacher and listening to the things that he says and trusting that he has our best interests, that he's preaching these to help us, and then. He has to respect us by not doing what a lot of people do and basically just hang out throughout the week at the golf course and do whatever and then come up and just preach the same sermon that they preached over and over and over and over again or just waste all of our time. You know, We're coming here. You come to church for a reason. You, know, you come to church to love, to have the good works, that you learn these things by person. You come for the Christian Fellowship and you come to learn. How much of a waste of time would it be If we basically all just come here, and I just kind of stood up and just talked about baseball or something for an hour, and there's no opening the Bible, we're all just hanging out, that's a waste of time. Some of you probably don't even like baseball and would just be bored, you know. There's no reason to do that. We come here as Christians together to fellowship, to hear the Word of God preached. How much of a waste of time would it be to just sit back and not do any of that and just basically hang out? There's no reason. Why would anybody even come to that? You know, at that point, the only reason you would come is because you developed a habit of coming to church. You know, but with that, uh, go to Ephesians chapter number five. You know, it's not just to hear doctrine, it's not just to uh, hear preaching, but also one of the things that we should do and that we do do is worship and praise the Lord together. In Ephesians chapter number five, in verse number 18. It says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, you know, I don't think that this church has a problem with, you know, music at all. I think we all put a high. You know, thing on it. And I hope that too when we're singing congregational hymns, that you're not just kind of going through the motions and singing the songs, but you're actually thinking about the words that are on the page. And that you're not just kind of sitting there, you know, looking at the songbook, mumbling along I'm at church, whatever. You know, and you're singing a song like, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. That's great news. You know, we should be singing that out. We should be happy about that. Not just, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. This is good news. We're worshiping the Lord together. You know, Jesus came, God in the flesh came and took on a mortal body, died on the cross to pay for all of your sins. He didn't have to do that. You can sing out and worship him and praise him a little bit for that. You know, you see people at political rallies with leaders that are literally just getting elected to scam them, losing it and losing their minds, you know, over whoever isn't literally any politician people will lose their minds over and most of them are scum you know but then you have jesus christ and it's like we all just kind of sit there and hang out and just go through the motions we shouldn't do that we should worship the lord you know um like i think like a year ago i preached a sermon about this specific subject and i was inspired of the sermon by a video that i saw of north koreans worshiping kim jong-un like you know Kim Jong-un, of all people, you know, I get it that he's the leader and they all look at him like he's God over there. But he's like the least impressive person in the world. Anything that guy does, it just looks like a joke. You know, you see him riding, the pictures of him on that white horse, it's a joke, man. I mean, the horse is like three times the size of him. And he's up there and he's like too stubby to even fit on the thing. His legs are sticking out the sides. It looks funny. You know, but these people are doing all these dances. They're into it. And you can say like, well, they have a gun to the back of their head and they'll die if they don't do it. They looked pretty happy and real to me. I mean, better than a Hollywood actor if they were acting. You, know, you have these people just praising Kim Jong-un and praising, you know, just government leaders and politicians. And it, then it's like Christians in church are just like, well, you know, I guess I'll sing a couple hymns and then we'll get on with the rest of the service and hear the preaching. We shouldn't have that attitude. We should have the attitude that we're grateful to be here. We're grateful to serve the Lord and have that. And, you know, it isn't just about the fact that we're praising the Lord and doing these things, but it has an impact on us. You know, and it sets us up specifically. You can look in verse number 18. It's telling you the reason why you'd have music, why we speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It says, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. How do you do that? speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That is one of the easiest ways to be filled with the Spirit, to listen to good Christian music, to sing good Christian music with a bunch of people in a congregation. It's pretty hard to be thinking about the world when you're singing songs like Amazing Grace, Wonderful Grace of Jesus, all these different things. It's hard to be thinking about whatever's going on outside when you're sitting and singing songs about the king of kings and lord of lords that died for you you know it's hard to do that you're thinking about that and what it does is it puts you in a spiritual frame of mind to then listen to whatever the sermon is and then we close with a song to then go back out and survive for the next three days out in the world and i'm going to talk about that in just a moment but this is not something that you know the song service whether it be on Sunday morning or just Wednesday night and we just sing a couple songs, it's not something that needs to be taken lightly. It's something that needs to be taken seriously, that we sing together, that we praise the Lord, because number one, he deserves it, but number two, it just puts you in a spiritual frame of mind. You know, you're not here just to check off a box on your to-do list and, you know, okay, I went to church tonight, got it over with, now I can go home and turn on the TV and do whatever. No, you came for a bigger reason than just because, well, I go to church on Wednesday nights. You came to be filled with the Spirit. You came to give yourself a break from the world, be spiritually refreshed. Take advantage of it. Don't just sit on the pew and just, you know, have your arms crossed, and I don't really care that much about being here. It's not that big of a deal. We're here for a reason. We're here because we're servants of Christ. We're servants of the Lord. We shouldn't just do this for nothing, to just go through the motions. We do it for a reason, and one of the biggest things that people neglect is the song service. And singing and praising the Lord, it's not something that should be neglected. Now go back to Hebrews chapter number 10, and we'll close with this. It's a little bit of a longer conclusion, so don't think I'm just about done yet. But Hebrews chapter number ten, and the verse that we started with, and you know, it's like people have made the decision, and it's a good decision. It's a good habit to make that on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whatever other services, if the doors are open, I'm there. That's a good decision to make, but you need to sit back and consider the fact of why. You need to have an answer to that question. Why do you come to church? What is the purpose of you coming to church? Why are you even here? Because if you don't know, you might as well just be wasting your time because there's not really a reason for you to be here other than you just made a decision at some random point in time that said, I'm going to go to this thing. You know, I could make a decision that I'm going to go to the grocery store at 7 o'clock every Wednesday night. And if somebody asked me why, I just say, "Well, I don't know. I made a decision five years ago that I go to the grocery store every night. You know, what would be the difference in somebody that doesn't have an answer to saying why they go to church? You know, it, if it's just something on my to-do list, like church is to a lot of people, then there's no difference if you just interchange church with anything, whether it's the grocery store or the gym or work or whatever else. If it's just another box on your to-do list and you're not internally thinking about why you need this, why you're here." then you're gonna fizzle out at some point and it's not gonna matter anymore. Because someday you, you will look in the mirror and ask yourself the question, what am I even doing here? Why do I even care to do this? And if you don't have the answer why and you can't explain to yourself and your thoughts in your head why you're at church, consider yourself gone because sometimes, you know, there are nights that you'd rather sleep because you're tired or there are nights that, mornings that you'd rather not go because you had a busy weekend and it's easier to stay home. And sometimes it's going to slip. And that's how you'll turn into one of these Christmas and Easter Christians. And you can come in one day telling us all about uh, we're not supposed to judge and we need to bring the homos in and do all these other things. That will never happen. You would be surprised what happens to people when you sit out of church for like 20 years and you come two days out of the year. Really weird doctrine because you know what happens? The world influences your thinking instead of the Bible influencing your thinking. And you look at the people that are in the world today and their thinking and their mindset, you know, got a little bit of time, so I can say this story. I was watching the, um, I was watching a White Sox game the other day, and I saw an anti-Darren Bailey ad. Now you know him; he's the guy that from downstate Illinois that was fighting the mask mandates and stuff. And it was an anti. It was this was an ad against him, and it's talking about why you shouldn't vote for him. And it was like Darren Bailey, too conservative for Illinois, and it's like Darren Bailey wants to ban abortion and i'm thinking great (laughs) you know like darren bailey wants to ban abortion completely like he wouldn't even let you have it at like the six week mark with the heartbeat and everything he wants to get rid of it completely too conservative for illinois darren bailey wants to protect the second amendment he's literally said he's vowed to protect the second amendment and your right to carry a gun and own a gun, I'm thinking, this is, against, this is an ad against him. And it's like, Darren Bailey is too conservative for Illinois. And I'm thinking to myself, like, who in the world would watch this advertisement and think, what a piece of garbage, we can't vote for him. Like, it, literally, the last line in the commercial was, he is vowed to protect the unborn and your firearms conservative for Illinois, like vowed to protect the unborn. And I'm thinking to myself, who in the world could possibly listen to this? But you know what the truth is? Millions of people would listen to that and think that guy would be horrible in this place. He would ruin the state. He would get rid of abortions. People would be allowed to own guns without a FOID card and all these different things. And it's like you think about that and it's like that's the perspective of the world. Ask yourself, is that who you want influencing your mind? Do you want to turn into that kind of person that basically just everything is just a disaster to you or whatever? You know, I don't think any of us in this room do. Why? Because we're in a spiritual mindset, because we've been coming to church, because we know these things. But you would be surprised what will happen to you staying out of church, not caring about the things of God, removing the Bible as a place in your life. You know, I haven't been in this my entire life, but I've been around of it long enough to see a lot of crazy stuff and people that you would think they would never leave church, they would never turn into that kind of a person, turn into that kind of a person and leave church. And it starts with just not knowing why you do the things that you do, not caring about the things of God, not giving reverence to it. But, you know, I want to close with just answering the question, why do you come to church? What is the purpose of church? Why should we be here? Why would we want to come to this? And where I had you turn back to Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse 25, verse that we started with it says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching you know we do these things because we want to exhort ourselves we want to be in a spiritual mindset the reason you know a lot of people today are against having like a wednesday evening service and mainly it's just because they just don't feel like coming to church on wednesday evening but you know here's the thing would we be better off as Christians? Would we be in a more spiritual mindset if we removed the Wednesday evening service from our life or if we maintained having the evening service and coming and just another time in the week that we get a break, you know, and you think, well, you know, I could probably go without it. I'd still serve the Lord. And you know what? You might, but, you know, I really, you know, even though I wake up early, you know, tomorrow for my job, I really enjoy the fact that we have a Wednesday evening service because it's just a break from the world, you know? It's a break from being out and just, you know, at work for 10 hours straight listening to garbage music. You know, at least like 30% of the time it's Hispanic music and I can't understand the language, you know. But, you know, just listening to weird music all the time that's just talking about the most perverted stuff or just being around the people that are in the work and just uh, talking about just horrible things and discussing things. It's nice to be able to have a break and come into church. And have fellowship with people that deal with the same junk that I do all week. And we can sit back and really, man, this guy was so, you know, filthy today or he said whatever. But, you know, we can all sit back as Christians like, yeah, but I didn't say that. You know, I didn't give in to, you know, saying cuss word and going back to my old ways or, you know, this guy was drinking around me, but I didn't give in to the alcohol. And we're just exhorting one another. Hey, that's great. Keep up doing the thing that you were doing. Keep on serving the Lord. Keep on putting God first in all of your thinking. Keep starting out your day with Bible reading. Keep starting out your day with prayer. But the less church that we have, the less fellowship that we have, the less encouraged we're going to be when we're surrounded by nothing but the world and we just feel like we're being attacked at all points. You don't just come to church to check off a box on your to do list, you come to church to be around people that serve the Lord, that have fellowship with God and encourage one another to keep on doing this thing because there's so many people out there from all points, even Christians that are saying, you know, stop, stop fellowshipping, stop going to church. They want to cut it down to, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, just Sunday morning. I mean, how many churches are there out there that only have a Sunday morning service? You know, I remember growing up and we would go to a Lutheran church sometimes and it was just like that only a Sunday morning service. And I never even thought anything of it. I remember when I first started going to church with my wife, and she told me that there was a Sunday morning, Sunday evening service. I was blown away. Who in the world goes to church on Sunday evening? And then the next week, they had a revival. And, you know, I just wanted to hang out with her, and church was my excuse to do it. I literally went to church on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday all over again, like two weeks into going to church. And I was just thinking to myself, like, who does this? (laughs) This is crazy, but you know what? I wasn't saved, and I didn't understand, and later I got saved, and later we had another revival meeting, and it was the same guy, and it was a whole different experience for me, you know, because I'm still in the public school at this time. I was only like 17 years old, and there's this guy coming in and he's singing all these songs, and we're in a congregation, and it's like every single night of the week. We're singing hymns. We're fellowshipping with one another. We're talking about the things of God. The preaching was great, and it was a whole different experience for me. I'm thinking to myself, this is amazing. You know, the first time I'm there, why would anybody ever do this? This is way too much church. I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm just sitting there suffering through the service, just my head down, not caring, whatever. You know, But then I'm saved. Then I'm thinking on the things of God, and it's a big deal to me you know, and it's a great thing, and you know what, just because it was a revival service shouldn't be any different than just our normal Wednesday evening service, we, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter how many people are here, whether it be a big number like we had on Sunday, or, you know, everybody decided to go to Colorado today, so we have a little bit less people here, you know, but who cares, we're here today, we're serving the Lord, they're off there just trying to scout out another blue state, it's not any different than Illinois, you know, But we're all here regardless, having fellowship, listening to preaching, singing songs together, having fellowship. If it's like any other Wednesday night before, we're not all just going to run out of here as fast as we can. We'll sit back and talk together and all these other things. And it's not just because it's just a random thing that we do. There's a purpose behind it. We don't do these things just because we feel like it. We do it because there is a purpose to it. We want to exhort each other to, do, to love and to have good works. We don't want to just be people with a bunch of knowledge in our heads and no charity in our hearts to be able to help and minister to other people. We want to learn the Bible. We don't want to be like one of these people that you hear somebody bring up Matthew 7-1 when you talk about literally, you know, they're murdering somebody. and it's, Matthew 7-1, judge not, let me do what I want to do, you know. And you're sitting there stumped because you don't know anything that the Bible says. You know, don't be that person. You know, understand what the Bible says. Learn the Bible. Listen to the preaching. Don't just sit back and nod off and play on your phone or do whatever. It's important to actually listen and think about the things of God and do these things. And that's why we come to church. Not just to sit back. Not just to hang out. But it matters. And it's not just on the Sunday morning services that matter. It's not just the Sunday evening services or Sunday school or Wednesday. It's all of them. They all collectively accomplish the same purpose. They bring us all together. They bring us here to sing songs. They bring us here to listen to preaching or whoever's preaching. We hear a special music that might minister to us. Any one of these things, and they matter. But here's the thing. Every service has a real purpose and has a lot of potential to make a difference in your life. But the person that's going to decide how much of a service is going to make a difference in your life is yourself. You can come into church and... And it can be like Easter Sunday, and we're standing shoulder to shoulder. We've got people standing out the hallway. We're just so packed in here, we don't even have room for people to sit down. And we're singing songs, and we're singing holy, 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 or any one of these things. And just, you know, raising the roof on this place and singing praises to God. And you can very easily sit there with your hands in your pockets, slouched over, not caring. You can hear a sermon about Jesus rising from the grave, conquering death, doing all these different things. And you can easily sit there slouched over, not caring, not paying attention, not making it that big of a deal. It's on you to come in here with a spiritual mindset. It's on you to come in here, not like you're just checking a box off on your to-do list, that I come to church, it's just what I do, I'm supposed to be there. It's on you ...to make the decision that I'm coming to church... ...not just because I committed to going to church... ...not just because it's something that I have to do... ...that I need to do... ...if I don't go to church, everybody's going to be mad at me... ...no, you come to church for the purpose of wanting to be more spiritual... You come to church with the purpose that I am going to war tomorrow when I walk outside into the world and all the worldly influences on around me, and I want to be armored up with the whole armor of God to defend against those things. But you know what? The longer you go without sitting in church, the longer you go without walking in the spirit, the easier it is for the world to influence you today. And you know how crazy and wild the world is. Why would you want that to have any influence on you whatsoever? But the decision's up to you. You can continue, you know, and I don't know that anybody is doing this in here. You can continue to just come to church and just hang out. You know, we'll go back and we'll talk about whatever and we'll hang out with one another. But it's not, you know, mattering to you in any way. Or you can purpose in your heart, not just to come to church, but to come to church for a reason. And not let that reason just be because you decided to come to church or because you feel like you have to come to church, but because you want to come to church, because you want to praise the Lord, because you want to be in fellowship with believers, and you want to have enough ammunition to take you throughout the rest of the week to continue in serving the Lord. Don't just be a Sunday-Wednesday Christian like I'm talking about tonight. That basically, you come to church, and then you're going to go out, and you're going to be no different than any person in the world as they are that you don't let the preaching influence your life, you don't let the music influence your life, you don't let anything influence your life, and all of the influences in your life just come from the things of the world and come from the unsaved friends that you might have or the unsaved family that you might have. Don't let those pressures take you down. Don't give in to them. Stand on the Bible. Stand on the music that we sing. Stand on the fellowship of this church and continue serving the Lord for a purpose. So with that, let's close in a word of prayer. So Father, I thank you so much for all you've done for us, Lord. I thank you for the ability to walk in the Spirit and you've given us the Holy Spirit that we can learn these things and that we can pay attention to these things. I pray, Lord, that you just help us all as we go out for the rest of this week, that we continue to serve you, that we continue to think on your word and think on the things that you've given us. Help us all to be consistent in our Bible reading and our prayer life and anything that comes to you, Lord. Help us to get sin out of our lives and to be able to walk in the Spirit at all points in time for your glory and to protect us from the things of this world. And in Jesus' name, amen.